it's good to be back here with you all. Um, first of all, we have to make sure that the, that the microphone works. This thing won't fit me very well, and it's halfway back here, and so if it falls off. You don't have to worry, though, because when I was young, I mean pretty little, my Aunt Geraldine came and visited the family. She was a rather prominent woman in a couple ways. And she, she, after being there for a while, she, she said to my mother, she said, uh, you better get Paul a good education because everybody's going to hear what he's going to say. And so it might as well be well worth hearing. <laughs> so I could speak without a microphone, but I won't try that. I want to tell you how honored I am to be able to serve you in this way, to all of us together. This is one church, one body, uh, one people of God. And uh, we'll grow together and love each other and encourage each other. Coming along with the theme of love, with elders and I were talking about, about this, that you have the two great commandments, but you have a third, which is, I think, equal to the first two. And that is the commandment that Jesus gave his disciples the night before he died for us. He said, a new commandment I give unto you that you love one another as I have loved you. Now, that's sort of hard to do, to love one another as, I have, as Jesus has loved. But, that's what he said, to love one another as I have loved you that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And so we need to practice that here. And today, the, the th one of the basic themes is the love of God and our, and our love uh, for one another. Before we get started, though, I wanted to bring up a, a few items. We have met and we have talked together, uh, certain ones in the congregation, along with the session. And you can look forward to a potluck supper on Thanksgiving, uh, after the service, I think this is a wonderful time for us to get together and show love and care for each other. And so we will be uh, doing that. Put that on, on your calendar. We will have a carol sing on the 15th, which is a Sunday night, uh, going to a, rest, a, a retirement home or wherever. I don't know. We'll find, I'll find out, I guess. And then coming back here and, and enjoying singing together. And then we'll have a Christmas Eve service as well. I understand that there are some who may be interested in, in becoming united to this church, and we will have an inquirer's class as soon as we can figure out how to do it uh, for, for those of you. And there are other things that we're planning to do. During Thanksgiving and during Christmas, we love Thanksgiving and we love Christmas, and the themes of our worship will be centered around those themes as they come. So we're going to sing a lot of carols. We're going to, we're going to enjoy uh, remembering our Lord coming into this world for us and for our salvation, for our life. And so we have these kinds of things to look forward to in the immediate future. And so I just wanted to let you know that we do have some plans in the air and, and we're going forward. And these are things that all of us can come together and encourage and support one another. If you will, with me, uh, turn to Psalm 121. Uh, this is one of the psalms that I love the most because it really shows the love of God, the care of God, 
how he watches over us uh, in one of the most beautiful ways of expressing all of that. And uh, I basically use the New American Standard Version. And so if it sounds a little funny when you're reading your versions, I'm sorry about that. But I'm getting old and I, the only one I know is the New American Standard Version. So I got to go with that. And that's where all my notes are. So that's another good reason to uh, use the New American Standard Version. As we read this, will you please stand up for the reading of God's Word out of respect for His holy and infallible Word. Psalm 121, 1 through 8, The Lord, the Keeper of Israel. I will lift up my eyes unto the hills. From where shall my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to slip. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun will not smite you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will guard you from all evil. He will keep your soul. The Lord will protect your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Our Father, may the words of my mouth and meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Well, the psalmist begins with, with a confession. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from where shall my help come. My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. But there's more to this confession that meets the eye. And when we first look at it, we can properly, probably every one of us, interpret the basics here correctly. I will lift up mine eyes to hills, from whence comes my help. My help comes from the one who created the hills, from the one who created the heaven and the earth not the hills. <laughs> I'm not looking back to the hills, I'm looking to the one who created them. So we, that, that really comes across. But I think just spending a few minutes here, if you will allow me, uh, will help us to understand this even deeper. Uh, he's referring specifically when he says, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills, to the hills of Judah and Ephraim. You'll notice in your Bible that this uh, says, uh, uh, a, a psalm of ascent. Psalm of ascent. And the psalm before it says psalm of ascent. And the psalm after it says psalm of ascent. In fact, there are 15 psalms of ascent and they have a particular uh, order to them. The, the psalms of ascent were sung. You know, the, the Hebrew tehillim means praise songs. Perhaps these were sung like we sing Christmas carols, but full of theology and full of, of the thought of Christ coming. So these were sung in terms of the salvation of Israel and going three times a year to the feasts in Jerusalem. So these are festival songs. For the three feasts were the Passover, the Feast of Weeks, and the Feast of Tabernacles. And in early spring and mid-spring, the beginning of the harvest and at the end of the harvest in the, in the Feast of Tabernacles uh, in the fall. And they would, they would come. Everyone would come. 
mom, dad, children, walking, donkeys, whatever, get, getting there. But you'll notice that there's sort of a, a particular uh, order to these. Let me explain it this way. It may feel a bit funny, but I wanted to explain the geography of Israel. Okay, You know, over here on the east side is the Arabian Desert. This comes and goes down into the Jordan Valley. This comes and comes up into the mountains of Israel. This comes down to the shoreland and to the Mediterranean Sea. And we begin with Psalm 120, and the latter part of the Psalm 120 says, if I can find it, Woe is me, for I sojourn in Meshech, for I dwell among the tents of Kedar. Too long has my soul had its dwelling with those who hate peace. That's the Arabian wilderness. The next one, which is the ours, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills. So he's coming down here and he's crossing the Jordan River and he's crossing the Jordan Valley, the 15 miles from one side to the other. He's beginning to look up at these hills in which is Jerusalem and, and uh, the temple area. He says, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills, but where does my help come from? And then in, verse one, in chapter 122, that begins, I was glad when they said to me, let, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet are standing within your gates. So now they're within the gates of Israel. And 123 begins, to thee I lift up mine eyes to thou who art enthroned in the heaven, suggests that he's within the temple area. And if you skip over to 125, it's one of the most beautiful verses I, I really love. It says, those who trust in the Lord are as Mount Zion. They're standing on Mount Zion there, which cannot be moved. It's, in other words, it's steadfast, it's sure, it's firm, but abides forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people. And they're looking around, they're looking to the east with Mount of Olives, and they're looking to the south, to the Judean wilderness ridge there. They're looking to the, to the west, to the ridge that goes out to Bethlehem, and uh, where David fought the Philistines a couple times there on that particular ridge. And of course, they're on a ridge that goes, goes north. But as you look around at the ridges, so the Lord surrounds those. It's a beautiful, a beautiful statement. These are all the psalms that they're beginning to sing. They're reciting. These, these are the carols of the festivals. But there's more to these mountains than this. We're not stopping there. For this specific mountain range, for them, was a mountain range of security. Foreign armies, the Assyrians, the, all the ones from the north, the Egyptians did not come up into the mountains. They went, lay, stayed on the lowland. You remember in Judges when uh, Gideon was a judge and the Midianites and the Malachites and the sons of the east from the Arabian desert and from Moab and so on, they would sweep down into the Jordan Valley, come north, go across the, the about 80 miles, go across the, uh, the valley, the Jezreel Valley, the valley we call Valley of Armageddon, and then they'd go through a pass by Megiddo and over to the shoreline and all the way down to the Gaza Strip. They didn't go into the mountains. Actually, the Israelites that lived down on those valleys uh, 
retreated into the mountains and into the caves and so on while the Midianites were down there. You remember all of that. They stayed in the valleys. You remember that there was a, a fellow named David who uh, fought Goliath. Do you realize where he, they fought? They fought in the Shvela. The Shvela are the lowlands in between the shore area and the mountain area. And they were halfway in between. One was on a ridge above it. One was on a ridge below it. And they were in this valley there with Goliath shouting uh, his shouts. And David uh, then volunteering to go down. Because whoever was the strongest, if Israel was the strongest, they controlled that area. If Philistines were the strongest, they controlled that area. The mountains were important. That was their idea of security. However, you also remember when Babylon was coming up into the mountains and, the, and Babylon would come and defeat Jerusalem and destroy Jerusalem. You remember what Jeremiah said, prophesied? Jeremiah prophesied, surely the hills are a deception, a tumult on the mountains. Surely in the Lord our God is the salvation of Israel. The hills couldn't save them from the Babylonians. Now the question comes, from where does my help come? Does it come from these mountains? Or does it come from our Lord? And I believe we know the answer, but do we really know and believe and trust our Lord as is true? We put a lot of mountains in the way that we sort of depend upon. Maybe some of us, even of our guns, our nation, uh, our, our resources, our homes. Our, you, you, you can go on naming a number of things upon which we depend. But all of those pass away. Only on the Lord, the creator of the earth and the heavens, do we have our security. So the psalmist begins with a confession of faith. I will lift up mine eyes unto the mountains. From where shall my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Now the psalmist turns from a confession to a profession. You like that? Confession, profession. It took me a while to, to come up with that. A testimony of what God will not do and what God will do. First, what God will not do. He will not do two things. Verses 3 and 4. He will not allow your foot to slip. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. First, he will not allow your foot to slip. The sliding of the feet. I do that a lot now. <laughs> Unfortunately, when the older you get, you do that. But when you're going up the mountain and up the hill to Jerusalem, you're going to be on rock. A lot of rocks. I've been on the highest rock of Israel, overlooking the, Jez the, the Jordan Valley and the, and the, the uh, other side, Jordan. It's a big rock. 
And I, I mean, larger than this room where we were standing. And uh, it, it'd be easy to slip on a rock. The sliding of the feet. It's a metaphor for misfortune, calamity, falling into sin. He will not allow your foot to slip. The psalmist says in Psalm 38, 16, For I said, May they not rejoice over me who, when my foot slips, would magnify themselves against me. But there's something very reassuring here. Because like the mountains, the mountains stand firm, so the Lord will not allow your foot to slip. Man's steps may be feeble, liable to trip and fall, but God makes man's feet permanent. He keeps our feet from sliding. Trials come, but God provides in the midst of those trials. 1 Samuel 2.9 says, He keeps the feet of the godly one. Psalm 66.9 concurs and does not allow our feet to slip. But the second thing that God will do is, He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. There's a tendency to go to sleep on the job. Air traffic controllers have been known to go to sleep on the job. Pilots have been known to go to sleep on a job. Drivers have been known to go to sleep behind the steel of the wall. Lana has been known to go to sleep while I'm preaching. <laughs> Mothers with six children trying to stay awake may go asleep. The biggest slumber party, which was, party, which was the, the, the saddest ever, was when the disciples fell asleep in a time of great distress of their master. Jesus said to them, My soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch. Deeply grieved to the point of death. And he went and fell to the ground, began to pray that if it were possible, that hour might pass by him. And he came and found them sleeping. And said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not keep watch for one hour? Again, he went away and prayed, saying the same words. And again, he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were very heavy. And they did not know what to answer him. And he came a third time and said to him, are you still sleeping and resting? Even the disciples fell asleep on the job when Jesus needed them most. But God does not go to sleep on the job. And we can sleep because God is ever awake and never exhaustive, never inattentive. God never closes his eyes on the conditions of his people. And this reminds us that God also not only does not slumber, but also, on the contrary, that the Lord watches continually. He sees us continually. We are told in Psalm 139 that God knows when we sit down and rise up, that he is intimately acquainted with all our ways. It says, where can I go from thy spirit and where can I flee from thy presence? Psalm 34, 15 to 18 assures us, the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous. His ears are open to their cry. The righteous cry and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. You know, Pete and I have been married for one year from November the 10th to November the 10th. Today is our 
anniversary, our one-year anniversary. Believe it or not, she's still with, with me. I, you know, one of the things that really attracted me to Pete was that as I was courting her, I found out that she got up at 5 o'clock in the morning to have devotions. I, Mr. Pastor, Mr. Professor, got up at 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock, whichever was more suitable for a retired man who needed his sleep and, uh, and enjoyed the bed. But she converted me. Now we're getting up at 5 a.m. in the morning <laughs> and having devotions. Of course, she goes and gets coffee for me before we have the devotions. And uh, one of the things that we did in devotions, I brought out these old books that I have on missionaries. They're short biographies by a professor, Harrison, at Wheaton College, who wrote them and was a missionary for 20, 30 years over, I forget where he was a missionary, Burma or someplace. And uh, we started reading them, and uh, the first one we read was John Patton, a missionary to the cannibals of New Hebrides. And a rather exciting life, because he goes and he takes his wife with him to the New Hebrides and goes to an island all by himself, lonesome on, on the island, and makes a hut where they're going to live, and shortly thereafter has to bury his wife because of illness. But they had, they had a child as well then and buried them both uh, from illness. Experienced many kinds of dangers, but on one occasion the cannibals came after him to kill him, and a friendly can, uh, cannibal warned him in advance and showed him a tree where he could hide. So the cannibals go into the hut uh, to try to find him. Then uh, they stole everything or destroyed everything that was of his in the hut. But he managed to conceal himself in the, in the branches of this particular tree. And he writes about it afterwards in his journal. I heard the frequent discharging of muskets and the yells of the savages, yet I sat there among the branches as safe as in the arms of Jesus. Never in all my sorrows did my Lord draw near to me and speak more soothingly in my soul, as I told all my heart to Jesus. Alone, yet not alone. If it be to glorify my God, I will not grudge spending many nights alone in such a tree, to feel again my Savior's spiritual presence to enjoy his consoling fellowship. End of quote. John Patton's favorite verse was, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. On that verse he staked his, his whole life and being. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. So two things God will not do. He will not let your foot slip. Number two, he will not go to sleep on the job. The rest of the psalm tells us what God will do and really centers around one word, keep or keeper. Verse five, the Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. Now the first thing before we even go any further, we have to realize that this is one of the names of the Lord. Yahweh Shmorekha. The Lord is our keeper. Just like Yahweh 
Roe, the Lord will provide. Or, or Roe is the Lord's my shepherd. I'm sorry. Yahweh Yireh, the Lord will, uh, will provide. I need to remember that because that's what we put on our wedding ring. Uh, the, the, <laughs> I better remember that particular name uh, of God. Yahweh Shalom, the, the Lord uh, is peace. Yahweh this, Yahweh that. And all of these, and there are 40, 50, 60 of them uh, in the Bible. Uh, all these are telling you what Yahweh, Jehovah, better pronounced Yahweh, does for you and for me, his salvation. All of, every aspect of it is covered by the names of, of God, of, of, of Yahweh. And so we have this name here uh, in this passage. The Lord is your keeper. And then he defends, begins to define what he means. The Lord is a shade on your right hand. What is a shade? Well, in Scripture, in the Old Testament, that was understood uh, in the con proper context to be protection or defense. And there are plenty of examples of this. For example, in Numbers 14, 9, uh, you remember that Israel is in the wilderness and Moses sends 12 to spy out the land and the 12 go out and spy out the land and then they, they return from spying out the land and, and 10 of the 12 say, we can't go in there. This is horrible. They have giants in, in there and, and uh, they have the big walled cities and there's no way in the world that we will be able to win. We'll, we'll all die if we go in there. But two came in back, Caleb and Joshua. And Caleb and Joshua said to the people, do, uh, do not fear, uh, only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land for they will be our prey. Their shadow has been removed from them and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. But notice how the psalmist goes on to enlarge in the next verses upon shade. It says, The sun will not smite you by day nor the moon by night. If we were using the word order of the original, it would be, By day the sun will not smite you nor the moon by night. By day at the beginning, by night at the end, all, all time, uh, every, every bit of the time, the, whatever is under the sun and whatever is under the moon, everything, in other words, none of it will smite you. By day the sun will not smite you, nor the moon by night. Nothing can smite us. We are indeed secure. I'm thinking of, of how Psalm 91 uses the word shadow. We read in verses 1 through 6, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, for he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler, forget that name, <laughs> and from the pestilence of destruction. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you may seek refuge. A shield and bulwark is his faithfulness. You will not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor of the destruction that lays way, waste at noon. That is what the psalmist means by the Lord is our shade. 
and hence the Lord is our keeper. There's a little graphic illustration. I'm not sure I'm really right on this or uh, whether I ought to think more about it and not tell you, but I'll tell you anyway. Uh, you remember the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire uh, in, in the wilderness? Well, one wonders whether that was God's shelter. I've been in the Sinai wilderness several times and to Mount Sinai. And one thing that I found, I've slept overnight in a sleeping bag there. Uh, one thing I found is it's cold at night. And in the daytime, it's hot. But what if you have a cloud? And it wouldn't be just a little insignificant cloud that takes up so many square feet or yards. It's, it's the Lord God showing his presence. And what if you have a pillar of fire? It's not just a little candle of fire, but is a prominent kind of a fire that would the, the effect of which could be reaching out to the crowds, uh, to, the, to the people in the wilderness. Uh, sun beating down by day, cold by night, covered by cloud, lit up by fire. Uh, the Lord is our shadow. Finally, what will the Lord do? Three things. It's a trifold keeping. And we, your translations will have different words for the verbs. It's all the same word. Keep. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your soul. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Coming, going, your life, what's happening in your life. The Lord will keep your coming in and going out from this time forth and even forevermore. Three times the Lord will keep, the Lord will keep, the Lord will keep. It's not superfluous, not to correct distrust, but to encourage trust in the creator of heaven and earth. Another missionary that Pete and I read about was Adoniram Judson. Pioneer missionary, all of these missionaries were pioneer missionaries, but pioneer missionary to Burma, now Myanmar. He had a passion for the lost. It took him nine years to, re, to have the first convert uh, in, in Burma. Uh, he, uh, when he arrived, he had the goal of one church with a hundred members. In 1850, at his death in age 61, he had 100 churches and 8,000 converts. Now, of course, thousands, and they go back to him as their father. He was imprisoned for years. He experienced lashes, disease, being famished, life-threatened numerous times. He buried two wives and six children. And near the end of his life, he stated, He, God, has not led me so tenderly thus far to forsake me at the very gate of heaven. And the same is true for us. Yes, the Lord does lead us tenderly and lovingly, for our help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to slip. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. 
The Lord is our keeper. The Lord is our shade on our right hand. By day the sun will not smite you, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your soul. He will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and even forevermore.